Uh, yes, good evening and welcome to a live edition of the podcast. Uh, as some of you um, may have heard of us before, uh, we are uh, three lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End uh, at Vicarage Road. And uh, we do a podcast every month and uh, it's our take on life as a Watford fan. My name is John, with me is Mike. Hello. And uh, Geordie. <laughs> Good evening. So every month we sit and talk about Watford, uh, and the first thing we normally do is we talk about the last month of Watford football. Um, we were last on just after the Leicester City game, so since then we've had a, uh, a, a home loss against Manchester United, 2-1. We uh, won away against Aston Villa. Then it was the Norwich game at home, a stupendous home win uh, finally with uh, the win away at uh, away at Sunderland so we are after four games currently sitting quite pretty aren't we Mike yeah it's, I didn't think I was going to be annoyed about that Man United result quite as much as I am because if we'd have got what we deserved out of that game the table would be looking even more delightful wouldn't it it's um it's been when we last sat down and spoke i was a little bit nervous about about these little clutch of games coming up because i felt for the first time this season the pressure was really on watford we had this this festive period these four games coming up against the so-called um bigger sides in the premier league and that had been looming large on the horizon for a little while and we knew we had these games these winnable games but we kind of knew we had to get something out of them otherwise we'd be sat here nervous quite frankly but Crikey Moses, they've gone and done it, haven't they? Is, is, that, a, is that a Christmas record? <laughs> but what a, what a great, what a great yeah. run of games. The Man United game, you, you, we'll take that, obviously. It was, it was frustrating at the time. But, but we, so we had these games, Geordie. Which one is going to be the most important to Watford's season? Good question. You've got to pick one. I'm going to push you for this. I'll, I'll, I'll say Sunderland. Um, and I'll say Sunderland because it's away. Because Villa are... A lot of teams have beaten Villa and they've kind of made their change to their manager and it hasn't... I mean, Remy Gard may be a very good manager, but he's not a magician. <laughs> you know, and they, they sold two players who maybe kept them up last season uh, who had a disproportionate effect on the team. Haven't really replaced them with players who are ready to go. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and Kike's talking about the importance of players who are ready to go. I think Villa have, are learning the importance of players who are ready to go the hard way very hard um, we've got to play ready to go later on in the Norwich at home I think it's a game we, we'd want to win uh, certainly uh, but Sunderland with Allardyce and so on I think we really want you know that, that's, that's the one where we have to grind it out where it's a tough place to go it's a long journey you've got to fly there you know <laughs> <laughs> well Norwich is a, a Arsenal fly to Norwich that's yeah. a, is that a long way away <laughs> Yeah, no, at the games, I think Sunderland's the one. Um, if anything, because it was a third win in a row, which, yeah. which then creates consistency, which, you know, if you look at the games in isolation, it's, it's still important, but the fact it came off the back of two other wins meant that, we're, you know, we're, we're building up momentum and ready to go for the next game. Yeah, I think, and actually, it being the last one in that sequence before we, well, we'll talk about the, Christ the next four mm. games and what's coming up over Christmas um, uh, later on. Mike, your most important game over those uh, last four games? I think it, for me it was the Villa game uh, because that would, it kicked off this little run of games that we, we felt we had to get a, a decent return on and to be quite frank it was a real difficult performance I don't think Watford played very well at all in that game the Villa were definitely there for taking and, and Watford didn't really put their foot on their throats like we've seen them do to, to, uh, at Stoke for example I was really impressed when Watford went, went ahead against Stoke they didn't sit back at 2-0 they really really rammed home that advantage and, uh, and, and looked to take the game to Stoke whereas at Villa they were absolutely 
their nerves were shredded every mm. time the ball went into the villa half they just panicked it was like mm. they turned into sort of five-year-old kids and i i was really expecting and hoping that watford would, would kick on having seen that but they looked shaky um so the, a combination of the importance of, of that game and getting a win when we didn't play particularly well i think is a massive bonus i was just so pleased to get out of uh, get out of birmingham with those three points and it and it put us on on this little run and then it, we could have easily have lost that game and, and people will, will, will point at, at Villa Chance and say there weren't actually that many. But if you were there, it was, it was just a very, very peculiar game. It was a very un-Watford-like performance. So I think, and it was a wet day. Um, Gomez had the horrible injury, so there was 10 minutes of injury time. It was a really tricky, annoying, niggly, sort of nuggety game that we had to win. And we went and did it. And I think that set us up so well. But just to get in and out after, after an average performance, let's say, was... Um, Oh, just came away feeling ecstatic, but I've got to say Norwich as well. What great team! Well, I was going to say that, that leads me to Norwich to say. Yeah. I think that was important. I think from the home point of view, it was a home game, um, and almost we know that Norwich is struggling. Actually, we know that Villa are struggling heavily, and you, know, you already said why that is. But the Norwich one is because they came up with us, and it's almost like we didn't get we got um, didn't get enough from the Bournemouth game. Who? You know, we want to want to beat. So in those three games, we played a big boy, a established but struggling, and that Norwich game where it was a team that had come up with us as a gauge of where we are. Um, I don't think the Manchester United game allows us as a football team to gauge exactly where we are. So I was more than happy. On the, on, on the Norwich game, which um, you, you just you're talking about. I mean, I may have seen a different game to Alex Neil because he felt that <laughs> Norwich were hard done by. But um, the point you made about them coming up with us, there were periods in that game where there was a championship game trying to break out, yeah, where yeah. the turnover of possession wasn't what we get, we've been used to in the last few couple of months, where teams get the ball, keep it, and move around. There were these kind of head tennis things that you kind of thought, oh, I remember this. You know, this yeah. is good, wasn't it? This is a championship. And then Kapu would get it. And, he, and, and even though he was under pressure, he wouldn't then try and kind of head it forward and gain 20 yards and hope that Basson would, you know, do 50 pence head. And it, <laughs> it, it was like, actually, I'll, I'll control it, I'll trap it, I'll turn, and I'll create some space. And it was almost like the ghost of Christmas past almost. And then, like, this is, this is how much we've improved. Because we can remember last season, but, you know, it's hard to remember six months ago or, or two years ago in the moment. But we were getting clips of the championship during that game. And then we were seeing the class of... Even Igalo, how much he's improved. Yeah. Dini, how much he's improved. But people like Kapu, who can just bring it down, uh, you know, it, it, for me, that was that was almost where we've seen this is the improvement. Uh, I, think, I think more, even more importantly than showing our Premier League class, we were able to match it and duke it out with Norwich, which we had to do. And if they, someone's going to try... You know, Watford have done it th- throughout the years to, to countless clubs. We've seen them basically dragged down to our level and we've nicked a, we've nicked a result and, and they, they all complain afterwards. But we had to battle for, that, for those three points. It was a home game... They're another team in our mini league. We had to make a statement, and we did it. We sort of got down and dirty, and uh, and delivered it. And it was just walking. Away, I felt walked away from Vickery's Road feeling ten feet high. Yeah, I, I thought mean, it was it was so important. The thing that game, I think Igalo almost he's put himself ahead for player of the season just from that game alone. Man, did he battle that second half to try and get it? And it was like if everyone, yeah. anyone ever deserved a goal. Yeah, that last goal he scored, that was a player who deserved every single yeah, yeah we, you know, thing we, he could have got from that game. We were talking before we came on air about how if if Igalo's got one failing, it's his inability to to possibly see the square ball. I think a lot of people would argue when you when you're in a, a scoring vein as as, as rich as his, rich as his, you've got every right.
like to, to go for goal when you get a glimpse. But you're you're right, John, to point it out, that, and it's almost got lost in the in the in the wealth of sort of excitement we've had over the last month. But that performance was. I think he's best in Watfordshire. It was just, I've said it about Troy before this season, but it's absolutely Herculean. I thought it was incredible from, from Iggy. Mm. So we're going to, uh, got two two uh, interviews uh, that Mike did uh, a couple of weeks ago. One with uh, Giffen Williams, uh, one with Alan Smart, which I'll play for you in a moment. Uh, we're going to be chatting about the Watford's position in the Premier League, which, uh, which is seventh, which is amazing. Uh, is that uh, a true reflection on where Watford are, or is it, is it a false um, position uh, of where we're truly going to be. We'll chat about that one in a minute, uh, but also we are going to look ahead, of course, to what uh, was always going to be a nightmare period uh, over the Christmas period, where we are to play Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Manchester City, all in a row. But Mike, you got to chat to Alan Smart and Giffen Williams uh, in, in Truins, or in old money, but is now known as John Lewis. Yeah, I thought this was a radio station to give young people their chance, John, <laughs> scratching the head, what the heck is Truins? But yeah, they were there signing copies of um, the latest edition of Tales from the Vicarage. Um, great to see a lot of Watford fans down there um, really really popular um, and yeah the, the thing that shone through in both interviews and hopefully hopefully you'll hear it is how fondly they remember Watford um, which f- for different reasons is obvious I guess Alan Smart scored a goal at Wembley and Gifton was the he scored a goal as a 16 year old who, who wouldn't have fond memories but we often say that Watford's special and I think that, that really shone through with, with, in speaking to those guys they're very very passionate almost emotional um, I think it's fair to say um, but yeah, great to get a chance to talk to them, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it's just one of the great things about doing what we do. Yeah, if, if I found myself sat next to people who I grew up watching, someone who made us all gave us all one of our happiest moments as Watford supporters at Wembley that time, and and Gifton, of course, we all grew up singing his name, even though he was younger than us at the time. And it, <laughs> but it's just fabulous to sit next to two people. They're iconic. They really are iconic yeah. players for Watford, I think. Uh, so the Gifton will come up a bit, le- bit later on this hour. Uh, Alan's first. Uh, this is recorded uh, at John Lewis, uh, and there's a nice tannoy announcement uh, in the background of both of them. Cause I think you interviewed them near the end of the store closing, if I'm right, Mike. Yeah, that's right. We like to do... Uh, we're doing well towards the end of 90 minutes, so we sort of replicated that in the store closing. <laughs> uh, so here is uh, Mike chatting with Alan Smart. We have to talk about the goal. It was the most... It felt to me in the, in the stands there at Wembley like that. A, a perfect storm. The ball was perfect. You hit it absolutely perfectly. Had a little bit of bend of it into the, into the right-hand side of the goal. The place went berserk. You obviously had your, your moment as well. It just felt like the best possible footballing moment at that time. Well, certainly for myself it was, and it, and it still is. You know, you reflect on that, just to have something to look back on. It's great to have a to have a highlight like that. And you know, when you get injured, and just don't tell you when when you're in that treatment room and stuff like that, you actually you cherish, you cherish a, a moment like that. And the same when you start to retire and you get a bit older, it's just nice to have a moment in football. And that's that's what it is. It's you know, the top players get that every week, week in, week out. I wasn't fortunate enough to do that, so it's nice just to have maybe a handful of, of highlights as big as that. Whenever I watch that goal, I always look at the, the challenge in midfield where the ball broke loose. Fail? I'm not so sure, is it? I'm not sure. I don't think either of us played the ball. It's Scott Sellers, myself, Scott Sellers. And I just had a feeling that he was going to go in hard, and I just thought, I'm, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to go high and hard and, and, and try and forget the ball, great, but it was just one of them. It was a committed challenge, and I think the pair of us actually caught each other, and the ball just popped. I thought he might have given a foul against me, though. 
on. Thank you. Almost as valuable as a finish, it, a finish itself then. Yeah, with, it? Without it, it's, it's never happening. So I'd had a bit of a moan up with Peter about three, four minutes before. The ball had gone out to him on the left-hand side and he shanked it from post. <laughs> and I, I was moaning at him all the way back to the halfway line. I don't even know if he heard me, but um, I do feel that... Uh, I did influence him passing the ball to me next time, and it was an absolute peach of a pass. Yeah, well, absolutely was, and we'll live long in the memories of uh, of all of us Watford supporters. We've just had some Chelsea supporters here, and you've been trying to persuade them to, to buy the book. I think they're going to come back and buy one. That's obviously another memorable moment in the career, the, the Chelsea game. Yeah, it's my first goal in the Premier League, so I mean, that was my back-to-back goals in the Football League. Score at Wembley, and then you score a winner against Chelsea. It's, uh, I think anybody in football would settle for that, and uh, it's nice to have done it. And it, both goals, but I, I enjoy both goals. I mean, just the, just you know the, the technical part of it to watch it and look at it and think, how oh, have I done that? You know, it's it's, one of them. it's, uh, it's just nice to watch it back. If you, if you scored that goal today, Alan, what would the celebration be? <laughs> That's the thing, it's hard to think of a celebration, why you do it or whatnot, but the Chelsea celebration and the one at Wembley, they're two totally different things, but my dad, my mum was in the stand at Wembley and she never come to watch me, so it's probably, I think, arguably, I think maybe, if she maybe watched me once before, it could well have been her first time she's watched me, watched me because she was a pain in the ass when I played when I was younger, she used to criticise me no end and tell me to run, tackle, shoot and scream and ball at me and we just used to have a, an ongoing argument so I said to her look you can't be coming watching me because I'm just arguing with you she was right <laughs> she was right she just wanted to see me moving my ass and, and if I was going to shoot hit the ball hard so the keeper had sore hands and so that was her and it was it was her, like my dad as well obviously there I'd seen them I'd seen them when I was celebrating that, that's actually what I was doing initially it was that and then obviously my, my, my wife my wife at the time was pregnant with her first son so I think it's a nice thing for him to watch you know and he's he's 16 he's 16 next, this Friday so it's just phenomenal yeah what a, what a great moment to get, get goosebumps just talking about talking about it now but we're talking fast forward a little bit we're talking on the day that um, Gary Neville has been announced as interim I guess manager over at Valencia now after you packed up playing you went on to be a manager and then briefly one step further can you tell us a little bit about that little roller coaster yeah I, I, I've always wanted to manage it you know, make no bones about it I got Gifton to come and sign for me. I'd managed to get him to sign. Never never put a slip on yet, but he, he signed for me. Um, really enjoyed that. But the remit was, look, at the end of the day, just try and keep us in the division. At the end of the season, the chairman wanted to stand, the owner wanted to stand down and appoint me as the chairman. And uh, I was not too sure about it, but I thought, well, the education programmes and the things that I was doing, and, and, and I've, I've had a pub, I thought, I could actually do quite well with it. And you could influence the club as you wanted. And I knew that I was going to do, I was going to do something that would, that would dictate what was going to happen. So I did what I wanted to do from day one and thought, right, we'll smoke it out. There'll be no time and effort lost. Within two weeks, he realised that I wasn't a puppet on a string. I was going to do it the way I wanted to do it, which I thought was right. If I'm going to stand in an AGM, I need to know where every pound's gone. And if you've got to justify that to youth team players, you must know where all the money goes. Um, and we fell out about that. But it wasn't because the money was moving. It was just I needed to know every penny and why it was accountable. So that's we kind of decided that it's best that he moves on the way he wanted to move on and I would just uh, stand down. 
but an experience worth having by the sounds of things. Yeah, everything, a lot, a lot, all of that. I just wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it to, to, to do a job in management and be asked to be the chairman of the club within six months of doing it. It was quite a nice compliment, to be honest. That I know I decided that, look, you could, you could do this. And it's a shame that we didn't take the club and, and put the... We had a lot of young players playing that I think have got a chance. And, and that's, that's the point, you know. Great. You, you played under Graham, obviously, one of Watford's favourite sons. Um, talking about management, if there's one thing that you could take from Graham, not necessarily replicate, but a, a lesson or a, or a key bit of advice that you remember from Graham that you could reckon you could put to good use in, in your management? Organisation. He, did, he didn't leave any stone unturned. It didn't matter what he did. He was meticulous. Um, his planning, his organisation, um, all of these things. You felt that you were in a, a club that, from the day you walked into the place, Gifton was different. He grew up in the in the club, but he would probably, you know, be able to see the difference in different management styles. But I walked into a club that was uh, was run properly. My wife got flowers. We got wedding stuff. The attention to detail behind the scenes. I was running through brick walls from before it even started pre-season. His telegram when I got married, um, before I'd even joined the club. Like I say, flowers when we had the little one. All that stuff. I know he's got PAs and that, but his attention to detail. He had people dragging dragging the club we wanted to play for them simple as that so we wanted to play for them what, Watford fans are a bit of a soppy bunch to be honest we think Watford is a, is a special club from what you're telling me there it sounds like certainly Graham was a, a special chap I think we all know that but you went on to, to other clubs after Watford you've obviously played elsewhere before is Watford special? 100% I think it's probably partly with what I did as well. I think if we'd have come here and had a bit of a shitter, like some people do, and you know, like any player, you'd just be like, oh, it's, an, it's another club. But I think it's just to, to, to be part of the, the history of, of doing something that's uh, it's remembered. I think anybody anywhere will have an affinity with a with football club. But the people obviously have a lot of time for me. Um, I still feel it when I come down, and it's really, really nice to tap into. Um, well thought of, and it's kind of like a bit a mutual thing as he faces now it's more friends rather than fans it's just like yeah you're alright have a bit of dinner we'll go for a couple of beers and it's, it's really nice and they've, they've been warm and welcoming so you can't you know you can't underestimate that and to, to have started playing football to have been to be thought of the way that some people think of me is it's great just, just touching on that Premier League, Premier League season, I've got a friend of mine, well, he's co-commentator, co-host of the podcast. We're talking at Christmas. He's got a little Christmas, family Christmas decoration. It's an heirloom. It's a little snowman, and it's called Xavier, after Mr. Gravelin. What on earth was he like to play with? Oh, that was it, wasn't it? Give Xavier the ball and that's it. I, I, think, I think it's more on a personal level. Uh, you know, whether, whether he was playing, I mean, he scored goals that were fairly important at the time. I would never under, I mean, he's had a, a top career as well, played for, that's not up for debate. But I just think his time in his career, where we were as a club, I ain't got a lot of time for that, to be honest. I, I, Alan Nielsen, and I, I always reflect on that because I think that's an older player coming into that dressing room. Couldn't speak highly enough about him. He was, an, uh, from my point of view, just watching how he conducted himself, watching his diet, how he come into the dressing room, and um, I think that's what we do. is compare him to him, someone that was an international, someone that had played at big clubs, but never come in with any kind of airs and you know, never come in with a big time attitude. He's just a different character, a different kind of personality. 
and just rubbed I thought just rubbed the dressing room up the wrong way I wasn't having them I just was not having it it wasn't the two were centre forward got a lot of time for got a lot of professional respect for Haider Tommy Gifton Nicky you name it centre forward to come in him I just felt he wasn't putting a shift in that's why at the end of the day that's why Kenny didn't like him either rightly or wrongly Kenny told him to do one and Kenny was right the whole dressing room was behind him he was, he was taking the proverbial don't care what you're getting paid just put a shift in that's all we will want a bit of a shift so perhaps he needs to change the name of this ruddy snowman then by the sounds of things put in the sun the snowman <laughs> fast forward then Watford back in the Premier League yeah, I'm assuming you've seen a bit of them what are your thoughts I think they'll stay up I thought it all season I thought it from the start of the season I fancy them to stay in the division I think it's the best the best equipped possibly that any of the teams that have gone on previously I think I think the, the ability to go into the transfer market and do what they're doing I think they're getting value for money as well I think they're pretty ruthless but they've got some good players I like the way Troy kind of knits it together as well again just just from the outside just watching but actually speaking to him for a, for a brief period I think he's a top man I can see how he's pulling lads together and he's leading the club and he does it by example he's very unselfish walks his socks off I think everybody has and as a centre forward the amount of goals that he scored I actually think you've gone I think you've scored a lot of goals take him a little while but he's done a lot of work he's done a lot of unselfish work he's basically for me puts his game on the shelf he puts his game on the shelf and plays whatever he's wanting to do and he's working for his team and I think uh, certainly from the outside he's a big 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 important player for the club Is there, is there anything else apart from Wembley and Chelsea that, that, that sticks in your memory from Watford? I think there's a, there's a few different best story I think is probably we hadn't won on Sky so the gaffers decided he's going to take us up to um, to Lillishaw for the preparation we're playing West Brom on the Sunday it was in the championship season or league one season we've never won on Sky we're going to do something different and that's what I was saying he's meticulous so the shout was it was a Thursday night smart cash 7.30 the boys are going where are we going wouldn't say so we got we got dressed on the bus we got the game on the Sunday he takes us <laughs> we're on the bus for about 45 minutes we're waiting in the wilderness come up at this big manor house wine everywhere on the table you're thinking the game on the floor it makes us stand up and speak for a minute why we're like someone in the dressing room so we've done all that donkey derby blah 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 he's pie-eyed by the way the gaffer we all get on the bus train Friday we get stuffed Sunday so it didn't even work I think the first time we won on Sky was against Birmingham it was 1-0 here at Victory Road in the semi-final that's the first time I think the club won on Sky so there's that was the, that, that's a great that was a great night out great team bonding night out but we did not produce on the Sunday one final message from Watford Sports before we go I think, it's, I think they'll stay up I think they'll have a good season I think they can look forward to another season in the Premier League Alan Smart there chatting to you, Michael. Was it? Uh, it was a uh, tales on the vicarage signing, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Go on. Yeah, it was, and I think you can tell from just that short little clip there that there's plenty of interesting stories that um, Mr. Smart had to share with us. Probably some of them didn't make it into the into the interview, um, and probably a few didn't make it onto the pages of uh, Tales from the Vicarage. But you can still buy the individual volumes in time for Christmas if you get them from. Uh, you can get them the online. Holiday. Um, at uh, talesfrom.com but you need to order by midday on Friday to get All them right. in time for, for Christmas but you can get them from the Hornet Shop John Lewis WH Smith and Amazon so there's four volumes available it's the most recent one that includes uh, Smarty there and uh, as you can tell he didn't like Xavier did he? We're, we're currently sat in seventh position 
Is that a fair position? Is it a, a true position for Watford Football Club? Geordie, what do you think? Based on results, uh, which is the only thing that matters, we are seventh in the league and therefore that's where we should be. But um, I, was, you know, I was talking to Mike before we came on and you get the feeling a little bit that um, everything's gone our way with regarding injuries, suspensions and so forth. Uh, we've, we've, we've deserved our wins, but we haven't really beaten anyone out of sight. And so there's been a lot of games that have been 1-0. I think we've had four games that were one-goal victories, which is testament to our ability to grind out a game. But also means that it just a little rubber of green against us could see us slip down. And the first half of the season, you can it's, it's, it's the team. The second half is almost the squad. And there's a lot of players, which we'll probably talk about later on, that haven't featured and we've we've relied very much on a core of players Yeah. Uh, and that if, if anything happens to those if any of them lose form if any of them get injured whatever happens we need to make sure we can fill those gaps and sustain and keep improving because we started the season really happy we were going oh Prodo's brilliant yeah. you know Prodo's brilliant you know and uh and, and, and since then, you know, we, we've seen Britos come in and end up with egg, Uruguayan egg, whatever, everyone's face, where they all <laughs> thought he was some kind of thug who couldn't hack it in the Premier League and be getting sent off every, every what's five it, What's Uruguayan egg taste like? Uh, I've never had one. Do you know what? Geordie, you've actually annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay, go on. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, I think it's a, an outrage to say that, that Watford, um, if, if things could have gone a little bit differently and we hadn't had the rub of the green, we could have been further down the table. I think you could point to the early games, certainly Southampton, West Brom, uh, Crystal Palace. The, the luck went against us in those games and if anything, we could potentially argue that we, we should have more points. And... So you know, we've had to we've had to fight it out, and we're a newly promoted team with a new manager with a new squad. We had to build and build and build, and perhaps the, for those first games weren't the most impressive, but we could have won them. Mm-hmm. We could have won at Everton. We could have beaten West Brom. We could have beaten Southampton. So I think we absolutely deserve where, where we need to. Quite apart from the fact that the the points tally is uh, yeah. is a scientific fact and can't, can't be argued, we we've beaten the people who have been put in front of us and have done so. You're right. We haven't beaten anyone out of sight, but but does anyone beat anyone out of sight really in the no. in the Premier League? Even Arsenal, who turned us over three nil, didn't beat us out of sight, and we we performed well in that game. So I think we we it's difficult. We have to be we have to keep our feet on the ground. And I think the best bit of Watford related content I've I've read in a long time was the Craig Cathcart interview. Yeah. Just because it struck a chord, say, chat, I was going to do a, a Northern Irish accent then, but I can't, so I won't. <laughs> um, and he just said, you know, cursory tale, he reminded us of what happened with, with, uh, with Blackpool. They started very well and then had a shocking second half of the season. Now, I don't believe that is going to happen with us, touching wood, but I do believe that it's worth recounting tales like that because... Again, Geordie and I were speaking before we came on air. We're seventh now. If we have the the Christmas that some people are predicting, we could be 14th, 15th and, and back down amongst it. So it's important not to get carried away, which I think is where your question is probably coming yeah. from. I like, I like the fact that, you know, yesterday all those possible chances, maybe, against uh, West Brom and against uh, Southampton and against Everton, could they have been? May they, may they have been? But they were, uh, as, as part of our development this season, from this to what Watford is now, but those games against um, uh, Southampton and uh, West Brom were very much early on, and we weren't ready to win those games convincingly or in, in the way that Watford have won the last few games so that I'm not as worried about those games what I, I'm enjoying at the moment what I like is that we are on 25 points oh. so we are by my averaging of the last five seasons about 14 15 points away from safety uh, 
we are beating the teams below us. In fact, apart from one team we haven't played, we've beaten the bottom six. The only one we haven't played yet is Chelsea. And the only teams that have beaten us are above us. Yeah. So that means in the league we are in the, tr the true position. That our real true, true, true position, I think, will come after Christmas. Mm -hmm. Depending if we win one, two, three or four of our upcoming games, or if we draw them, or if we lose them. That's uh, uh, the, the thing we, need, we, we, we can think about. Are you asking if we, we're flattering to deceive? Yes, a little bit. And so, Jordy, you think we are flattering to deceive a little I bit? Don't, I don't think we're flattering to deceive. I guess the question is, is the wave still building, or, or are, we, are we at the highest we're going to go? And to the point that John made about the um, everyone above us has beaten us, everyone below us hasn't beaten us, is that our true position? Then, then the higher up you go, the harder it is to go higher. Yeah. And ultimately, the hardest place to get is to win the league. So, are we are we just uh, the best part of our? Is, is this the, is this the peak of our season? And therefore, we, you know, we may be seventh more often in the season, but we'll mm. never get higher. Or are we are we still building? And so far, yes. The early, earlier in the season, we were still adapting, and you know, even against Everton, we could have held out a few more minutes and got three points. But I guess my question is. How, how do we sustain because you can't stand still how do we keep improving where's the room for improvement for this Watford mm. team beyond new faces or new blood or and we've seen players come in and we mentioned Britos and we've mentioned, we've mentioned Ake you know, when we were talking earlier they've come in since our last podcast and established themselves in the team as improving it and I guess my question is how do we keep improving I think I don't think we have to this year guys I think John mentioned it. he mentioned the 40 point mark that is the be-all and end-all, and Leicester is still talking about that that 40-point marker when everyone else is basically thinking they're nailed on for Champions League. But ultimately, this division is so difficult, and there are no... <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Every game is tough, you know? And feasibly, we could lose five in a row. Leicester could lose five in a row. Re avoiding relegation, being comfortable, creating a base whereby in the future where players will come to us because they know we're not going to be cannon fodder that is achievement enough for this year and it may well be that seventh is our peak and and crikey if it is fabulous is this if this moment today is the best it gets in terms of our position in the table then so be it but how many people thought we'd even even get that um i one thing that while i've been thinking about our, our league position is i remember talking to miles of uh, miles jacobson mm. of uh, football manager fame 15th he said and he's been absolutely resolute in that whenever we've spoken to him he's been he's stood by that 15th and you know whenever he said it I thought oh, I'll take that mm. I'll absolutely take 15th and even though we're in 7th now if someone said right you're going to finish 15th I don't think anyone can turn around and say that's anything but a successful season speaking of miles which is interesting that we hadn't discussed this off air <laughs> I saw, a, I saw a, there was a, a computer simulation not by Miles's lot but there was a computer simulation for the rest of the season that had us finishing 13th. And that, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that we're on the second half of the um, Teletext League table <laughs> <laughs> in, the old, in, in old money. But, uh, you know, it, that, that would be fantastic, yeah. you know, to, to the point we're making. And, you know, you, you said it doesn't match for you any better. I think, I think there's, a, there's almost a, a difficulty. I remember when um, I, wrote, I wrote a blog post for the, for, the, for, the, for the podcast a while ago about the new Watford uh, and, and, ha and, and those of us who grew up in old Watford having to adapt to new Watford and I remember when 
speaking of Slav and um, Scott Duxbury at, the, at your place for City Ons and they were like we're going to finish first we're going to finish first and this is when Derby was still yeah. and uh, Middlesbrough was still bothering the top of the, and we were you know we were, the rest of us were happy to take playoffs uh, I, just, I just love the way you chat that in well, I remember yeah, I was still with Slav, Slav yeah. Yeah. I think Scott Duxbury I think uh, Scotty D was there as well yeah. Yeah. I remember, but. <laughs> yeah but it's that mentality the club has and we're, we're now seventh and like, the fans are kind of you know high-fiving each other and, uh, and just walk around gawping at how well we're <laughs> doing and saying so, and, and Mike's almost just said you know if, if this is as good as it gets that's great but there's almost like you almost get the idea that there's actually mentality in the club where they haven't got this legacy of Watford little old Watford mm. they're saying we're going to take this as far as we can go and and football has been like a, a shift in football uh, and you look at the teams at the bottom like Villa and Sunderland previously they would have had a benefit over Watford because they're getting 20,000 extra people in that means more revenue that means more more money for players uh, and more of a lure if you like uh, so they're traditional big teams but now they've got uh, empty stadia which adds huge pressure to players all, all fans walking out and booing them whereas Watford don't and, uh, and the TV money has balanced it up to a point where we can, we can compete with Villa and Sunderland for a player and not, not get beaten on money and if you get and again I don't want the tourist board for, for Birmingham Sunderland having a go at me <laughs> but if you were a, a player coming into the Premier League would you yes they might well, we've got a lovely four-sided stadium but they've got a nice big stadia but if you were had a choice where to live you'd probably want to live in, in leafy Hertfordshire yeah. or, or, or near central London uh, depending on how, how, how they're selling it so, so I think that it's, it's provided balance and we're not little old Watford anymore and maybe seventh isn't as high as we're going to go and, and you know the two teams that are above us are Palace and Leicester so you know, we're ahead of you know, Liverpool's and the Chelsea's and the Everton's and the yeah. teams like that but there's a couple of teams out there who, who have shown that they're not they're, they, we were playing them in the championship not long ago we yeah. doubt ourselves because we're Watford supporters and we've been there and done it. But, but you're, Geordie's right to say. But I'm not doubting. I'm not doubting. Uh, our seventh, I think, will be truer and probably more like thirteenth after these next four games. Do you know what? I've tried to give the voice but of my reason. Four, my, four, my forty points, I've still got in my head. Let's get there. F- it's let's get there first. It isn't let's aim for there. Mm. It's let get let's get there first, and then it's have fun. And in fact, I think that's the good thing about the, even being seventh at the moment on twenty five points with these four games coming up. We're in a happy place. So actually, it's like not going. Don't just go muck around on the pitch. But the pressure isn't on. If we had been in the bottom eight at this point now, and we knew that we had to face. Liverpool, Tottenham, yeah. Chelsea, and Manchester City. That would have how we're feeling now would be very, 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 very different. Hundred percent. But I think what I was going to say about we've got the baggage of being Watford supporters and we're used to uh, struggling. Basically, none of these guys have got that. Mm. Mm. Kike certainly hasn't got it. The the Pozzo family, the owners aren't here to, to struggle. Uh, and while we have to carry the barrier, you know, you can never unsee what has been seen. You know, we've seen <laughs> yeah. some uh, horrifying scenes yeah, yeah. at home following Watford home and away. And so, we're, better, we're football fans are bound to be a little bit sort of tentative. But John, you mentioned having fun. If we're not having fun now, then then there's something wrong with you. So if you're listening, you're not enjoying this season. I suggest mm. you probably take up something something completely different. Podcasting. <laughs> maybe. Um, but they're not encumbered by this, and it may well be that we're seventh. And I, I tried to keep my feet on the ground, as you as you know. I sort of it's changed from being outwardly negative to just now trying to stay grounded. But they won't be looking downwards. This football club is not looking downwards. No. Kike is not looking downwards, and we have got better as the as the season progressed. We're getting better and better results. We're strong def- defensively. Are the teams around, up above us much better than us? Are Palace better than us? You know, uh, are they? I don't think. I don't think necessarily they are. And are they? I think we can beat anyone. So, the beauty of this season, and we've said it, uh, is that any game 
could go either way. I still Our want, season I, could still go either way, and that could still be higher than we are now. I still want, in one of the next four games, I still want us to go ahead. Because we haven't gone ahead against a big team mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. And see what happens. Give them something keep to worry going, about. Keep going, give them something to worry about. Do we shut up shop what do we what do we do what what is Watford in that position it's the one we haven't had yet I think that's the one I'm sort of still so waiting watch, to watch see watch out Jurgen Klopp yeah mm. watch it man watch it I think I think uh, another thing is you know Mike was alluding to earlier in the season that we were a bit unlucky not to win some of the games we when we when we, the first, at the start of the season the Everton game was frustrating that we didn't hold on mm. because you always think no matter if you're playing against the best team in the world you have to be able to hold on for five minutes without getting a goal in so if you're ahead after 85 minutes you must see that out yeah. even if you're just kicking the ball up in the air and managing the game but the, the kind of thing that we were looking around at each other going well we're not letting goals in but we're not shooting much mm. you know and now you know although the results look like they've picked up actually the things you don't see on on paper you know black and white on, is the amount of chances we're creating and it's not that we're hitting teams on the counter-attack we're actually dominating games and we're, dom- we're having periods of domination and Igalo is banging in goals but he's probably for every goal he's scoring in the last couple of games he's missed a couple we're against Norwich we were, we were praising his kind of resilience and, and persistence in getting the goal he deserved but he could have had probably four or five earlier and it wasn't due to bad finishing mm. it was just due to good goalkeeping but we still went and he still got his goal and against, against um, Sunderland he could have got another, he yeah. could have got another one, uh, yeah. but again, it's just that persistence and not and not giving up and and believing in ourselves and actually dominating teams. So, and I think that if I guess if you're a striker, there is an element of relief if you know you've missed a chance early that there will be more chances. Because mm. if you're playing against a team for a team that you know only gets one or two chances a game, you think that's it. I've squandered it. I've blown it for today. Yeah. And you'll pray in your mind, and then you'll miss the next one. You're like, ah, oh, it's too gone. Whereas Igalo, he he has so much confidence in himself, and. We can get frustrated that he doesn't square it or he doesn't do this. Yeah. But if there's one thing you want to give your striker, it's confidence. And that's the thing I was worried about almost at the beginning of the season was last year it felt like, well, we'll score a goal. We've got an ability to score a goal. Would that still be there in the Premier League? And it didn't. No way did it, did it at the beginning of this season. Um, and I saw someone uh, dug out one of Stanley's... Mm. Um, pictures from the Manchester City game where yeah. Lana Burney was a little bit uh, you know basically saying yeah we need to shoot more and some said are oh, you gonna you're gonna retract that and you're going no because that's that's where we were mm. at that point and we've developed a lot since then um, and I wouldn't have felt that sort of we're gonna score don't worry about it we aren't going to score, mm. um, and I was worrying about it. But I'm not anymore. We've I'm got a free hit going into these four games. We couldn't have asked for more. It, it's just turning into the season that we hoped it would be, and I don't see any reason why it, why it couldn't continue. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, uh, those, these four games coming up aren't what we thought they were when we looked at the no. fixture list in August. No. Liverpool kind of had that resurgence on the clock, and then suddenly they got beat by Newcastle. Chelsea are doing their best to impersonate someone other than Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you know. they've gone through have you ever seen that film called The Event Horizon no Sam Neill uh, it's about a spaceship okay. and what happens is The Event Horizon it's a way of travelling across space quite quickly and what happens is they create a worm a false wormhole they go through it and the idea is that you end up the other side of space except it doesn't it goes to hell so like Alan back. Neill he goes through space quite quickly yeah. <laughs> but then it, when it comes back it's like this place of hell and I think Chelsea went through The Event Horizon and came back again 
and now they're in this evil place where Sam, uh, Lawrence Fishburne gets chased around. See, I've seen a lot, of, rumor, I've seen, I've seen a lot of rumors about Eva Carneiro. Is it about this? Is it about Mourinho? Is it about Fabregas? No one. I haven't seen any of the journalists pick about up the Event Horizon line. So no. I think I think you might be on a scoop there. It's a really scary film. It's the one <laughs> film I've seen in the cinema and had to go home and had to have the lights on. Oh, really scary. Johnny, really. <laughs> it's really scary. Okay. Uh, right. More from uh, ex-Watford players. Gifton Noel Williams. Mike. 16 years old he was when he scored for Watford. 16, can you imagine? <laughs> what were you doing when you were 16? Watching Event Horizon and crying when you got home? I was presenting on Silver FM. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was, Gifton was one of my favourite players. He was, he was big, he scored goals, he did it all with a smile on his face and... Uh, he, he kind of represented Watford a little bit at that time because obviously his career took a took a turn for the worse when he got that 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 bad injury and it felt as a you know I was twenty years younger watching Watford then it felt like he was but you know blighted by bad luck and it kind of felt like Watford were a bit of a bit of a hard luck story at that time as well um, up until obviously uh, Graham coming back and then taking us up to promotion but fantastic to, to, to talk to Gifton massive smile on his face the whole time absolute pleasure. Here it is, uh, Mike, with uh, Gifton Noel Williams, again in John Lewis, with PA announcements in the background. What's new in the world of Gifton at the moment? It's loving life, really. I'm coaching through a, a college programme at Westfield Academy, around the corner from Vicarage Road. I'm also involved in um, some of our academy football training. Uh, doing my B licence, trying to get my A licence, trying to get some coaching, some managerial stuff. And um, just loving life, you know. Um, I think that when you stop playing, sometimes it's hard for some people to find another love and I'm lucky enough that I love coaching and I've been able to transfer from playing to coaching so um, as I said just really loving it really I can, I can tell you that Gifton's not just saying that he's got a massive grin on his face sparkly eyes he genuinely is he genuinely is loving it talk to us very quickly Gifton about that you mentioned you're for B licence what's that like how hard is it um, it was alright was, I'd done my B licence in America already right. so um, I was kind of used to the, the, the format of, of the doing a course so I had to get through it I learned a lot from the people that was in it and from the guys that was on it Darren Ward's on it was on it with me so it's good to be see my old mate Wardy again and a couple other guys so it was good and now I've got my B licence I'm able to work officially in academies so I'm trying to get my A licence so I can be a, a UA youth team manager or under 21s or wherever that, that brings me so um, you know as I said my career got you know, showing with the arthritis and so on, but I was lucky enough that I've still got my brain, even though my body's broken, my brain's still there. So um, hopefully, I can input that brain to to, to pick football players and and become something in the football world again. I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure it'll happen. Now, you mentioned doing your license in America. You played out there as well, yeah. and you played in Spain. What are the differences playing in in those countries and than over here? And how was that for you? For me, it was really good. I adjusted. Really, I thought I adjusted quite well. I, I think that me and my family, um, we kind of just we just get on with it for the most part. But um, <clears throat> what I learned really was a different language, different culture, um, a different way of doing things. You go to Spain and they're really relaxed. Um, everything is mañana, everything's tomorrow. They're really relaxed. Um, different, different foods, different time settings, um, completely different cultures. And I went to America, where it's similar to England, but just bigger. <laughs> and um, the facilities are amazing. Everything's great. But I think through it all, I think I learned life lessons. You know, life lessons about. You know, being amongst other people, being amongst people that you're not used to and learning their culture and having to adapt to their culture. So I think it's learned me a lot of life lessons and football lessons by learn by being training with different coaches, different footballers who had different experiences to my own experiences. So um, it really opened up my eyes to what football really is. It's not just English football, it's not just Spanish football, it's the game world game. So I think really my experiences of where I travelled and where I played 
um, I thank God for that and I hope that my experiences one day will come through. You're obviously massively positive and it doesn't sound like that was a big issue for you to, to go abroad. Why do you think it is that so many English or British players don't don't make that leap and go for it? I think, the, I think it's more the fear. I think it's a fair factor. Um, I'll give you a joke. Um, when I was going to Spain, I was in the airport and um, me and my wife saw a, a person struggling to talk English and me being my ignorant self, I laughed. And she said, that's going to be you in, in Spain. I don't know what you're laughing for. <laughs> and we both laughed and a good chuckle. And I goes, you're right, I'm laughing at this guy, but that's going to be me. And when I went there, all I knew what to say was hello. And um, it was hard at times because some of the locals only spoke Spanish. But I learned from that to really just get on with it, learn the language and just put myself into it. And I'm thank God I speak another language now. Not perfect, but I speak another language. My kids speak another language. Um, and they're well-traveled. So that, that by itself taught me to deal with people differently. So when I was with around foreign people that don't speak English very well now, I'm going to help them out because I was that person before. So, as I said, life lessons. You're back amongst familiar people tonight. We're in Rockford signing copies of, of Tales from the Vicarage. You've, it's been a busy night for you. Um, in your chapter, you look back over your over your Watford career. Can you pick out a couple of a couple of highlights? I think there's there's a bunch there's a bundle really. I think you look at my debut at Roker Park, my first goal against Blackpool, probably one of the best goals I scored against Sunderland. Getting injured that same game against Sunderland. Um, you know the, the highs of the boys going up, but the lows of me not being on the pitch. You know working with Graham Taylor, Kenny Jacket, second to none. You know, um, so um, I think that my time at Watford was was fantastic. To pick out one or two would be really a misjustice, really. You know, I think that just working with the guys I worked with, working with Graham Taylor, Kenny, Lufa, and other managers as well, but especially those guys, it, they taught me so much. And their life lessons and football lessons that I, I live up to up to now, I think my foundation of who I am as a person and as a player was all built at Watford. So that's why Watford's got a big part of my heart for that reason. And, um, you know, all the other clubs I went to, I learned some stuff and I had some good managers. But I think my biggest learning experience, learning curve came under under the Watford banner, really. So um, that's why I love Watford. That's why it's so close to my heart, yeah. It's good to hear. It's good to hear. And then obviously, 16 years old when you scored when you scored that first goal, incredible. How likely is that to happen again? How is a whatever 16-year-old ever going to score for Watford again? I hope not. And the only reason why I say that, not necessarily for my record, is because. I think the Watford has gone in a different direction. When I played, there was need for me to play. You know, we had Devon White was there, we had a couple of our older guys that was injured and so on. Kevin Phillips was injured, Connolly was injured, so Kenny needed someone, so I got in. You look at Watford now, they're in a situation where they can go and buy another strike if they need a striker. You know, the money is not a problem so much. And I think it's a positive because the club's done so well and now they've been established between Premiership Club. I think by the end of the season they'll be established Premiership Club anyway. So it's great for the club. But I'm not too sure whether the next youth will come through and whether I'm, I think it's changed. Maybe you took looking at 18, 20 now, where before maybe a 16, 17 year old could come through. And I still hope that there'll be a diamond in, in there in, in the academy and that can come through and, and push that record and, and hopefully break it one day. Because you've obviously you've got experience of what Watford is like these days with, with your son, obviously looking at the youth and looking where the next players are going to come from. Do you still think it's in, in safe hands? You can answer honestly. Me personally, I think that. I think that the club's in, in, in good hands. I think that the the, the, the puzzles of the family, they, they're doing a great job. I think that they've, with the first team, it's the best first team I've seen at Watford. And for all the years, no matter what players was there, it's the best first team I've seen. I think they're solid. Um, the academy system, not too sure myself. Um, 
think it's gone the other way. I tell you honestly, where it's too soft and it's, it's too pampered, and I think kids don't get told the truth. And then when they get told the truth is when they're 16 and they get released. So I don't know how by not telling the kids the truth they're going to develop. Where we grew up in a time where we got told the truth. <clears throat> it wasn't good for all of us and all of us would like to hear the truth. But those who heard the truth and done something about it made it. And those that didn't do nothing about it didn't make it. And that's as simple as that. But everyone got told the truth. I think now it's a bit, a bit, a bit cotton wrapped. Wrapped in cotton wool a little bit more. But um, there's still good players in the academy, you know, there's good players in the academy. And I think that if the right people are in charge of the academy and, and they, the academy gets um, driven into the right direction, I still think there's, there's a lot of hope in Watford because Watford have a good catchment area, a very good catchment area with a lot of good footballers who want to come to Watford. So um, I do believe in the academy and the youth of the club and hopefully I'll be part of that in the years to come. Obviously, there's been a few players passed through the door since since you uh, pulled on the yellow shirt. If you could play with one striker who's played since, since you at Watford, who would it be? A Watford striker, that is. You can't have uh, Messi or Ronaldo in here. Um, there's been a couple, I think. I would love to play with Marlon King. Um, me and King were good friends and I would love to play with him. I never played with him, but I would love to play with him. Um, I played with all the other good strikers, really, a lot. Smiley and uh, Tommy Smith, Mooney, a lot of the others I played with. Um, Paul Furlong was before my time. Bruce Dyer was before my time. But I think the one that, <clears throat> for me, I would love to play with right now would probably be Big Troy. I think, I think Mooney would, would form a good partnership, good understanding. I think we could share the workload where he can get his goals and I could get my goals. And I think we'll get on well. I think off the field we'll get on well as well as on the field, yeah. Obviously, we're talking about the book. Is there anything that didn't make it into the book that you do you want to tell us about now? <laughs> there's, there's a lot about my life that didn't go in the book. <laughs> about 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 the Watford didn't go in the book. Um, I can't honestly tell you what what wasn't in the book and what wasn't what was. All I know is that around about that time was good times. You know, it was good times. There's a lot of a lot of fun things, a lot of mischievous things, a lot of serious things, but. We knew the limits. We knew when it was time to play and when it was time to be serious. Graham um, Taylor had us in a, in a mode where we knew what he was doing. I've never, I've never played, apart from Tony Pulis, I've never played for a more organised manager. Um, so it, it, was good. it was good. It was good to be part of that and to be part of that and to be part of such a good time at Watford. You know, for me, it's, it's historic. It's great. And I hope that in my coaching career, I can be part of another side of Watford, you know, in, in the Premiership for the future. There's no denying you are part of one of the most fondly remembered squads and periods. You had a bit of bad luck, obviously, but yeah, you've seen Watford now. They're in the Premier League, back where we belong, perhaps. Yeah. We're going to stay up. This year, yes, 100%. I could be wrong, but as far as I'm sure, I'm 100% sure. I think the squad is the best squad, best Watford squad I've seen, with so much quality, quality through and depth as well. Um, I think that this could be a real sailing year for Watford. Finish mid-table, just below. And I think in a, in a couple of years, if the family keeps putting the money, putting in the moment, and the manager, they stick with this manager, um, I believe that they could stabilise them and we could we could become a Swansea, a Southampton, one of those clubs that are, you know, West Brom, that are in there, maybe not maybe not being fantastic and winning the league, but are, are a solid premiership club. And that's my hope for Watford, really. 
unsurprisingly a positive note to end on. Gifton, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you very much. <laughs> Gifton O'Williams uh, on uh, on from the Rookery End. Uh, we're here on Silver FM 87.7 uh, radio station. Is going to be on air until Christmas Day. Uh, if you are listening to us uh, either online uh, or on FM across Watford, uh, do tune in. By the radio station today to raise some money for charity, but also uh, to give young people a chance to learn about radio. Uh, and during the day, you'll hear students from uh, lots of different schools: Kings Langley, St Michael's, uh, Francis Coombe, uh, some from West uh, West Hearts College. Uh, this is their first attempt, let's say, uh, at doing uh, doing radio, and it's quite fun listening to them uh, to get better and better and better on the air. And as I said earlier, when I was sixteen, I was in exactly their same position. And, and here we are now. Podcasting. And then there's us from the Kike Sanchez Flores School of delightful football <laughs> great to hear from Gifton there yeah. worth saying that if you do want to get your Tales from the Vicarage book before Christmas you've got to you've got to order it by Friday right. www.talesfrom.com or you can also get it from Hornet Shop John Lewis WH Smith and Amazon well worth checking out uh, Jason do you have the book yet? Jason hello hello you there? you can hear me good yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got you, Jason. Uh, have you got Have you got Brilliant. the book, Jason? No, I was saying I'm hoping that Santa's going to bring it to me. Oh, okay. Um, you, for you or young Daniel's going to get it, but either way, you're going to get to read it. Right. So, Jason, yeah, so where, are you, where are you? La- He's gonna get it. Where, where? I'm in Lancaster. Lancaster. Was that is that halfway to Scotland? I think it's about halfway. Yeah. Oh, okay. Any well, sign of the Coca-Cola um, holidays are coming, Laurie, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't see there's lots of Eddie Spogart ones. I think, but uh, no Coca-Cola lorries. Big up, up the Carlisle Massive. <laughs> okay, right. So we're we're coming, we're coming to the end of our uh, of our um, uh, chat. So we need to uh, have a think about the the, the, the coming season, uh, coming month, let's say, of this season. Mini season. Mini season. Uh, we're going to play uh, Liverpool at home. Then we're going to play to- uh, Chelsea away. Then we're going to play Tottenham at home. And then we're going to play Manchester City at home. As Geordie said earlier, that was going to be a nightmare. Well, it wasn't my nightmare when uh, we started the season. Jason, how do you think we're going to fare? Um, <laughs> let's not be, uh, let's not kid ourselves. It's going to be tough. Um, but I think we need to make sure <clears throat> we approach the games without the fear that was apparent when we played Manchester United because. Whilst these teams are very good, they are beatable. And we've seen that in recent weeks. Even Tottenham have been on a long unbeaten run. They failed at the weekend. And if the likes of, of West Brom and Bournemouth can beat the bigger clubs, then then why can't we? Because we're better than them, right? Oh, Jason, Absolutely, that, Jason. <laughs> I love that attitude, Jason. Right, um, so give, give us a... I don't want to like individual games, what we're going to win. Out of a possible 12 points... How many points do you reckon we're going to get? Oh, uh, I I'm going to go. I'm going to be uh, this this uh, five. Jason, <laughs> <laughs> have you been on the Baileys, so Jason? That's, that's that's a win. That's a win in two draws. There's only one defeat. Wow. Oh, who's that going to be against? Uh, I'm going to say Chelsea. Oh, God, you're so contrary, Jace. <laughs> can I, can I, I think I just think like, they're going to come good at some point. Yeah. Stamford Bridge has, has not been kind to us, uh, and I think it will be tough again. I'd like I, what I would like is that uh, 
we beat them with this final nail in Jose's coffin because that would be quite fun to say we were the team that got in the sack. They just shot um, Schaden, Schadenfreude again there, Jace. But uh, yeah, this, this exactly the Schadenfreude. But uh, I think I think it'll be no points. But the other three home games, I reckon we could get a a, a win and a couple of draws. I reckon a draw against Liverpool because they are stronger away from home than they are at Anfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if Spurs now they've lost a game. I wonder if uh, they'll have a bit of a wobble and they'll be there for the taking. Uh, and City, I think again a draw. So that's where I'm going. I think we'll benefit from teams still thinking that we're little old Watford. I, I did a Twitter search the other night. It was just late, couldn't get to sleep. I searched, did a Twitter search for can't even beat Watford. <laughs> okay. And there's still, even though we're even though we've proved to be a decent side, they're still saying, "Oh, we can't even beat Watford." Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Michael, Michael, you're, uh, you're you're looking at the opinion of, uh, of of your typical Premier League fan there, mate. Whereas you, you, you're 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 you I'm are, but Mike, yeah. is, but Mike is still the most pessimistic, yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing changes there. <laughs> yeah. um, so, realistic, huh? realistic, grounded, sensible, normal. That's no, but that's you protecting yourself. No, I reckon it is. I think the, the interesting thing is we look at the games we just played, uh, which we were talking about earlier—the Villas, the Sunderlands, and stuff—and and we, when we when we spoke about them in the last podcast, we were saying, well, we don't want those teams to get more out of it than we do, and and but none of us predicted beating all of them. No. You know, and it was, and and now, you, again, we even though we watched them and we've seen the progress, we we still have a little bit of little old Watford. And when we see oh Liverpool, oh Liverpool, you know, we've, we we grew up in the watching football in the eighties. Liverpool still is a we we haven't been playing against them since they've been rubbish very much because we've been in the wrong division. <laughs> so we've still got this legacy of Liverpool. And um, what, happens, uh, what happens when we see Liverpool again? Ooh, Liverpool. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and then Chelsea, Chelsea, obviously, you've got you know they're champions okay. uh, and they can turn it on whenever you know, but. We're, we all expect to get something out of them, and probably if you went into the Watford squad and said, "What do you think you're going to get out of the next four games?" They would they would trump Jason. The other thing we're going to get as well, which I'm excited about, is a bouncing atmosphere. Yeah, we've got uh, yeah. what have we got? We've got three home games. Mm. They're games that we're all we're all looking out for at the start of the season. Like it, we've all got Tottenham supporting mates. We've all got Chelsea yeah, supporting yeah, mates. We yeah. probably know people have jumped on the Man City bandwagon, and there's Liverpool fans all over the place. So, I, I do think that. These are the games where the, where Vicarage Road really comes into its own, where all the great stuff that the 1881 have been doing really, really comes to the fore. And where, you know, we get those little tingles, you know, and it, the ones where you get the game ground a little bit early, you might have an extra half of Shandy on your way there or whatever. Push the boat out. This is what we've been waiting for. And we've talked about these, these four games as if they've been a, a, a blot on the landscape, and for obvious reasons they, they kind of have, but... But what, what, what a time to go into these games. This could turn into the most memorable Christmas ever. For Watford, couldn't it? If it goes, if, if we get five, but what did Jay say? Five, five points. Five. Jay's five. Yeah, five. Yeah. If we get five points, we'll have thirty points going into the new year. Well, uh, and ten we'll points have, of safety. We will genuinely have nothing to fear. We will have. We were turned in results against top, middle, and bottom of the Premier League. We'll have announced ourselves on the stage, and you know what? In the, in the next podcast, we might be talking about Europe. Uh, what well, we can talk about in this podcast? Are you bothered about the FA Cup, Jason? Are you bothered about the FA Cup? Um, do you know what? When when uh, when the draw uh, was made, the third round draw, I, I always get excited about the third third round draw because I'm a football geek. Um, but I was more excited about what the other draws might throw up than what we'd get. Because for me, it was 
you're most likely to get a Premier League Cup, uh, Premier League club, or a Championship club. We've had 25 years of playing Championship clubs. I didn't really want one of them. Didn't really want a Premier League club because it would probably turn into a reserve team uh, match. Um, and yeah, when we got Newcastle at home, I was yeah. <laughs> I think the most excited I would have been would have been if we got a. A small club away, which might be a new ground to go to. But <laughs> yeah. when we got Newcastle, uh, having said that, I still want to beat them, and I still wouldn't mind having a cup run. But yeah. did you, Jory? Do you want a cup, a cup run though? I do. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. Um disillusionment on uh, social media from Watford fans when we got Newcastle because I know you know but for me it was almost a perfect draw one it's a home game two it's going to be a sellout because to Jason's point sometimes fans think well FA Cup just after Christmas can't really afford it but Newcastle always sell it out and it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game there's no shame to losing to a Premier League team so even if we get beaten it's not the end of the world for us it's not going to derail our season we just don't do it very often do no, we no but the thing the thing, the thing is and it's, it's almost a bit perverse we need to make sure we stay up we need to get that 40 points and not get complacent but the second half of the season could be a bit boring um, which would in a nice way if we're safe and we think well we're never going to get into the Champions League spots and we just got to try and stay as high up as we can and the cup could actually give us a little bit of mm. excitement a little frisson so if we, if we were down in the bottom six you'd say get out of the cup abort mayday <laughs> you know let's focus on the league we can't afford this but if we're going to if we're going to have this new Watford mentality if we're going to do as best as we can and this is you know the league is going to be hard to win anything we blew it in the last minute of the last game of the last season oh Jordy Oh, sorry to bring it up again, Mike. <laughs> I know. I, I, the doctor says I've got to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, cups are going to be, for maybe for the next few seasons, our real chance of, ex, of, of excitement. So I think we need to go, we need to give it a go. Why not? And if we, if we get knocked out, like I said, it's no shame. But if we can get through and then get in another, another home draw, before you know it, you're suddenly in the quarterfinals, the teams at the top who maybe are more about Champions Leagues and, and four, top four. And suddenly, you know, we could have a, you know, everyone, everyone talks about 1984. So obviously it matters. It does matter. Let's keep this winning mentality going. Okay. You know, let's keep it in and around the club. Don't forget how to win. Let's, and, and I don't think there's any doubt that, that this football club will, will be fighting in the FA Cup, taking it very, very seriously. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a chance to see a, another Premier League club. We haven't, we've only been in the Premier League for, what, 15 games? We mm. can't be bored about playing Premier League Absolutely games Absolutely not. No. Yeah, not at all. Uh, but uh, it, it's going to be a, an interesting month. And uh, where we are mentally... Uh, when we come to the next podcast, uh, probably after the Man City game, exactly where are we as as Watford fans? Um, I think could be could be different in a negative way, but could be different in a massively positive way all at the same time. And I'm loving that. I'm loving going into games and not knowing exactly what's going to happen, or even a uh, not even fifty percent knowing what's going to happen. No. Intriguing. Every game's a little. Every game's a puzzle. But I think whatever happens, we're going to be doing the next podcast over that little run of games, and there'll be stuff to be positive about. I've got absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, right. Uh, thanks for, uh, for calling in, Jason. Sorry, we couldn't get you on earlier. No, no, that's fine. Uh, it, I'm, I'm sure you guys are missing me uh, as much as I'm missing you. So it's good to hear from you all. And John, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, mate. Um, thank you very much for listening to this.